Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation. Candid discussion about addiction and recovery with the people who have lived it, along with input from experts on the journey from struggle to triumph. Laugh, cry, and be inspired. And now, your host for Recovery On Air, Greg Halverson. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another uh, another Recovery On Air, where we talk about everything recovery, the good, the bad, and the miracles. I'm Greg Halverson. Thank you for being with us again. And uh, today we have a very special guest, at least to myself, uh, uh, with us, uh, Chris Riley. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. And um, and we're already Robin's got us doing weird thoughts. And God bless. Okay. Thanks, so Robin. we're start. Yeah, we're starting off on a good foot here. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's laughing. And uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And and that's one of the joys of coming and doing this every week. Um, Chris, thank you so much. And you know, last week we had we had Mr. Piaski here. And uh, it was his farewell tour. <laughs> we had his we had his one hour fare. How would you like your farewell tour after twenty five years to last for one hour? Um, not much of a tour, but anyways, um, you know he's on his way out. He's finally calling it calling it uh, quits to sort of um, after threatening to retire for several years now, probably six or seven yeah. in a row. And you get to step into his into his seat as the executive director of Crossroads. Um, has that sunk in yet? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. No, probably won't. Not until you move offices. You probably move offices, yeah. <laughs> or, or something goes wrong gotta, and I'm responsible. You, you got to move 10 feet. Let's see. That would be to the east. To the You're east, You're moving yes. to the east side. Moving to the east side. Yeah. Moving on up. Moving on up. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about, uh, about how you came to... to um, to be with Crossroads. Well, I, uh, I developed a, a pretty good drinking habit while I was in the military. I served uh, on active duty in the U.S. Army from 1993 to 1997 and uh, had some, some tragic things go on while I was in the military. And really the only way I chose to cope, because it was, it was a decision, was with drinking. And when I got out of the service and came home, uh, I drank uh, pretty successfully for a while. I had jobs, I had relationships, uh, I had you know quote unquote things, you know a vehicle, a bank account, those type of things. Hmm. And um, but that slowly deteriorated. And the, the, as time went on between 1997 and 2004, my drinking habit just got really, really, really intense. And then to, and then 2001. I developed a really strong like for cocaine and um, started using that really heavily. And in 2004, uh, it was suggested of me to go to the VA hospital uh, to get some help. And I did. I walked into the VA hospital and I just grabbed the first person that I saw. Thankfully, <laughs> she worked there. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Otherwise, it was 2004. It was, you know, you're, you're okay. You're straight to the fifth floor. Yeah, you're you straight that. to the fifth floor. Yeah. But, uh, and I told her, I said, I, I've got a, I've got a massive drug problem and I've got a, you know, major drinking problem. And, so she took me over to what was at the VA at the time building T4. And uh, they 
assessed me and they said, we've got this program. We've got a couple places you could go. One of them was, was called CAS. Yeah. And the other one was called yeah. Crossroads. Yeah. And Crossroads kind of sounded cool. It was uh, a little bit by my area that I had been homeless in. And uh, so I chose to go to the location at 35th Avenue in Orangewood, Crossroads West. And uh, that's where I actually met Lee Piosky. And I stayed there for about three months. I got a sponsor, got got sober, worked the steps. Uh, but I was really never really determined that I was going to live this lifestyle. I was just kind of getting my bearings back about myself. I got a job. Um, things got uh, better. Things got better. Right. Yeah, for for most part. Right. Uh, but I, I wasn't done, and I knew I wasn't done. And after about three months there, one day after work, I cashed my paycheck and I went to the dope house and got a bunch of drugs and uh, stayed out until past curfew time. And when I got home, they kicked <laughs> you me. tried to come back. I tried to come back. Yeah, I, yeah, I tried to come back all all zooted out. Well, I didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. And of course, they knew right off the bat. They're like, "Man, you're high." And I said, yeah. "No, I'm not." Yeah, and they yeah. said, "Well, here, take a, take a urine test." I said, "No, nah, that's okay. I'm high." And uh, so the next morning, they let me stay the night, though. they It was late. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I didn't have anywhere to go. And they they were compassionate. Crossroads staff has always been very right. compassionate yep. about the clients. Yep. And they said, look, just sleep it off, and we'll figure out something in the morning. And in the morning time, um, they started getting me resources to other places, talking to me if I wanted to stay gone you know, for three days and I could come back. And I, I I wasn't done yet, so I said no to all that stuff. Right. And I had a place to go. Uh, I had, I had convinced <laughs> my mom after uh, three months of sobriety that it'd be a good idea to, for me to move in with of her. Of course, yeah. And oh, of yeah. course, and, and she was all about it. And I had a job. Yeah. And, you know, all God bless things. them, our moms. Yeah. yeah God bless them. <laughs> And uh, so that's what I did. And the first night at her house, I stole her car, stole her money, and uh, was right back to where I was, you know, prior to going to Crossroads. And um, I, I lived that lifestyle again for seven more months. And then in January of 2005, uh, I came back to Crossroads, and there, there was Lee, and uh, still sitting at the same desk. And uh, he, he told me a few things. He had a few choice words for me. Yeah. And uh, but he said, you know, if you just do a couple of things that I'm going to suggest of you, you'll be okay. Yeah. And one of them was, he says, you really need to get honest with yourself. Yep. You need to do an honest fourth step, and you need to share that information with another human being. And uh, so I did. I thought, you know what? I was I was just angry enough. I thought, you sob, I'll show you. I'll tell this guy the truth. And see if he sticks around. See if he sticks I'm around. Scaring these guys away. <laughs> see if he runs off, tells the police. And it was amazing. I, I I shared it, and the guy just said, "Yeah, me too." Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, yeah. this right. is this is incredible." There's I'm not the only guy out there that did these things or thought yeah. these things. I'm not the worst. I'm not the worst. This guy's the worst. He's, yeah. he's worse off <laughs> yeah, than me. Yeah. Always yeah. find a sponsor who did far worse than yeah, you did. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, so I, I stayed at Crossroads, and back then it was a, a transitional living facility. So I stayed there for 16 months, and uh, that's where I met my, my current wife, um, I got a, a full time job. <laughs> crossroads. No, no, it wasn't at Crossroads for women. <laughs> no, 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 that poor soul. Yeah, yeah. No, I met her through a, a mutual friend, and uh, 
And that's a whole nother story. Yes, it but is. That's a whole nother podcast. God bless her too. Yeah, God not bless just, her too. She's not a just mom moms. Too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> so I stuck around and uh, worked at a at a job in the medical field. And in 2006, I just really felt this pulling. I was going to Crossroads after work every day, sponsoring guys, teaching relapse prevention, teaching life skills, helping out with fundraisers. And I, and I really got a... Bill Bentley isn't the only one? Yeah, Bill. I actually taught Bill Bentley's <laughs> class. Yeah, he, he trained me and I would teach it at, at uh, Crossroads. You put a penny in the bank You put a penny in the bank every day or you double it every day yeah. for 30 days. Double it every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I just had this this eagerness to you know do more and to help other people uh to help more people and and to work across so i went to lee and uh said hey i'd really like to get a job here and again this is back when we had three facilities um we didn't have nearly the staff that we had we didn't nearly have the resources that we have now and he said all right he said you call me every week and leave me a message and tell me that you're still interested and i'll see what i can do I left him a message for 52 weeks. Every week for a year, I called that man. And he finally hired me, I think, just to get me to stop calling sure. him. You know? Sure. And uh, this was right when methamphetamine, this was 2007. And this is when the big methamphetamine uh, was hitting Arizona. Yep. yep. And there was really no treatment for methamphetamine addicts at the time because meth addicts need to sleep for three days. Crossroads <laughs> right. was all about get in, get a job, you know, keep moving, keep moving, yeah, yeah. you know, don't stop. Yeah. And that wasn't working <laughs> go, for meth addicts. They, were, they they couldn't go out to work at, yeah. at day one or two. You know, they were. <laughs> you couldn't wake them up. You couldn't wake them up. Yeah. I mean, you, all you did was feed them and let them sleep. Yep. And a, a pioneer in the in the recovery game is Randy Danheim wrote a program called the Meth Pilot Program, yep. and that program catered to methamphetamine addicts. And he was able to get a grant from St. Luke's Health Initiatives that funded uh, t- treatment for meth addicts for two years at five persons at a time, five men at a time. And I got to teach that group. It was it was our first treatment. <clears throat> program that we had across at Midtown at Midtown yeah at Midtown. and um, we had it studied by researchers we had it studied by uh-huh. statisticians and the the <clears throat> outcomes were just off the chart you know the amount of people that were getting sober staying sober getting jobs getting back to life was just off the chart compared to what the normal national statistics were and so we looked at that and in 2010 uh, we started what is now, which is what we still have 13 years later, is the Right Track Program. Right. And that is our, our full continuum of care uh, substance abuse treatment program that is based on evidence-based practices, cognitive behavioral therapy, 12-step uh, principles and spiritual principles, and smart recovery. So in 2009, I was still working at Midtown teaching these groups, uh, you know, Getting, you know, doing what I was supposed to be doing and gathering, the, gathering a lot of stories. Yeah, gathering, yeah, 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 yeah. gathering a lot of stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were still a, a transitional living facility, so we could, or a halfway house, if you will, but we could still do, you know, things uh, a little maybe unethical or maybe a little. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, not always unethical. I mean, but uh, certainly different practices than what most people yeah, are, yeah, are, you're right, are yeah. used to hearing. Not unethical. Everything nah, we did was, was ethical. It, but it was always after the best. Yeah, I was always trying to get the best out of the clients. Sometimes somebody needs a 
fire lit under them or a swift yeah. kick in the ass or whatever. Yeah, you know, so. you know and that's we were able to kind of still do that. We were able to give tough love, yeah. I guess is yep. the way to put it. Sure. And um, so in 2009, they transferred me over to Crossroads East, uh, where, again, I ran into Lee. Uh, that's where his office was. <laughs> and uh, that's where you and I met. Yeah. And uh, I stayed there for about four years as a program coordinator. And then uh, in around 2013, the Arizona Department of Health Services decided that they were going to take away transitional living facility licenses. And at this time now, we had opened up Arcadia. We had opened up Flower. We, we had contracts with the Veterans Administration, U.S. Yep. Pretrial Services, yep. and other entities, uh, state, local, and federal. And if we had lost that license, we wouldn't be able to... Uh, operate as right, we had been. Right. So we had to go to an actual full-fledged treatment center right. uh, where we actually had you know, <clears throat> professional people, uh, counselors, social workers, uh, licensed independent counselors, and had to have a real... We, we already had the treatment program, but now we had to start documenting it. Right. We had to start writing yep. notes and clinical notes, and we had to get yep. clinical. Yep. And so that's what we did. We fought to keep the level oh, yeah. four transitional living yeah. facility. Yeah. We, yeah. we went up against the state, but we lost, and uh, we had yeah. to become a level two. I don't, I don't think we lost that bad. I mean, we got them to grandfather us in in a lot of places, a lot of places where, where yeah. otherwise we would have lost beds yeah we wouldn't have been able to serve the population Space. as many as we do right. and had and continued to do so uh, but i think yeah i think we i think we did pretty pretty good on yeah. pretty good yeah. on we, that we on it worked out good for us yeah after they did something that kind of forced crossroads to become um something that we weren't planning on right and you know right. i mean all of a sudden putting us in the same category as a hospital right it, basically um, that's what it was you know it, so, that's, that's what it was the square um, footage uh yeah. per client you know was was increasing yeah but as you mentioned you know we were you're grandfathered gonna, you're gonna in. tell us what to do yeah you know what happens when you tell an alcoholic what to do i'll show you <laughs> <laughs> like i told that like i told that guy you want to hear my story i'll tell it to you go, go left <laughs> i'm going right yeah Dude, so um, so, and then yeah. in uh, 2014, so everything worked out great. You know, we got treatment plans. We had uh, licensed con or uh, licensed uh, substance abuse counselors. We had uh, clinicians. We had peer mentors and clinical coordinators. We had all these these wonderful staff that could deliver these services, that could document these services. And then 2014 happened. In 2014, Arizona became a Affordable Care Act right. or Medicaid yep. expansion yep. state. And, you know, the thought process was, you know, at this time we were still charging, you know, men and women to come through Crossroads uh, at a very decreased price. Uh, but our costs were increasing. And it was the vision well, we of Lee. Give, giving, we were performing more services. We were, absolutely. Um, and it was the vision of Lee and the idea of Lee to to apply for to become a provider with with state access sure. Medicaid, and because they're now paying for um, <clears throat> behavioral health services, so that's what we did. We and they said, "Here you go, you can have six beds." You, yeah, they, they, <laughs> you can. Have, yeah, and, and at this time we had two hundred and eighty, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and we filled them with with Medicaid clients. And there was that time where probably in two thousand fifteen, maybe sixteen, that we got a call from one of the the big, which was the REBA, which is the Regional Behavioral Health Authority. 
that said you have to limit your Medicaid beds to five beds. Yeah. And we had about 260 beds that yep. were full with Medicaid yep. clients at the time. And most providers probably would have kicked those people out. Right. We just kept them in. Right. And we kept yep. treating them. We yep. kept we, And we kept bringing more in as, yep. as, as those left and new ones came in. Because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, that's one of the, there's four questions that, that we ask ourselves on a day-to-day basis is, you know, are we helping as many people as possible? Um, are we doing the, the right thing? Yep. Are the beds full and who's going to pay for it? Yep. You know, those four things. And if we're doing the right thing, is it ethical? Then then we're answering yes to those questions. Then we're doing the right thing right. And, we're, and we're going to move forward with it. Right. And that's what we did. The right thing sure. was to help those people that were already there. The wrong thing would have been to kick them out, say, yep. oh, sorry, your insurance company just said you, you, put we can't the we, put them on the street. Where would they go? And, sure. and now at this time, uh, this was 2016, 2017, here comes heroin again. Yep. And, and heroin starts making a really good comeback. Um, it did pretty well until fentanyl came into the yeah. picture. Oh, yeah. But um, – no, we wish People heroin. Were dying. Was, no, we wish heroin was back. I wish heroin. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take a heroin addict over a, a fentanyl addict any day of the week. Uh, fentanyl is just oh, it's, it's, it's changed the game. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. But um, so in 2014, uh, Lee asked me if I would work um, or develop a compliance program within Crossroads for licensing, credentialing, contracting. Right. So we did that. And uh, did that for uh, several years. And then uh, in 2000 and I want to say 2000, maybe, well, maybe it was 2019, uh, he asked me if I would become the chief compliance officer, which would oversee all of the facility regulatory yep. uh, means and over, and get a, have a small it's department. a lot of binders. A lot, lot of binders. <laughs> a lot of binders for each facility. That had to do with all of the fire, the state, local, federal uh, regulations, yeah. the contracts, <clears throat> uh, the credentialing of providers and of uh, the facilities, yeah. and um, got to pass those inspections. Yeah, got to pass those inspections to stay open and be able to help treat people. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, all along that time, probably from 2019, you know, Lee was kind of hinting around, you know, that he wanted to retire and that he would like me to, you know, be his successor, and. Uh, so I kind of, you know, it was kind of weird because I never really joined Crossroads to become the <laughs> successor of the director. Uh, I came here to, you know, help as many people as I possibly could. I had a good career in medicine. Uh, you know, I was a combat medic in the military. So when I got out, I was able to get a really good job. Yeah. Not while I was drinking and using cocaine. It yeah. wasn't that good. But um, <laughs> but but I could, I could get a job pretty easily right. working in a hospital or... Uh, and I really thought that's probably what I would do the rest of my life. Right. Uh, up until about 2019 when Lee started kind of bending my ear a little bit and and putting this bug in my ear um, and this thought in my mind. Yeah. And uh, so we, uh, in the beginning of this year, uh, he made his formal announcement that he was going to retire. And uh, we went to the board of directors and proposed, you know, the me being his successor. They and I'd been working with the board of directors now for the past four or five years with Lee. So they they had gotten to know me, and I'd gotten to do some type of reporting or you know that kind of thing for them. And uh, they said, "Okay, imagine that. Imagine that. Who would have thought? Who would have thought in two thousand and 
four. Four. Yeah. That that's where things would go. But that's one of the wonderful things when you hear about people who come to get sober at Crossroads or they come to Crossroads early in sobriety and work for us. And then you, you, you get them to where they're at right now and you go, did you ever, did you ever even think, did you see this? Right. No, absolutely not. Right. Well, one of the most amazing stories that I've heard at Crossroads was about a guy who was a stockbroker. Uh, he worked out in New York City, and he was an amazing stockbroker. He was yeah. fantastic at yeah. everything he did yeah. in the stockbroking world. But he had a crack cocaine problem, <laughs> and he had an alcohol yeah. problem. And uh, yeah. he ended up creating a Ponzi scheme yeah. and, and embezzling millions and millions and millions of dollars from people. And it finally all came crashing down on him right. because you, 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 you can only rob Peter to pay Paul so right. many times. And, uh, and while you're doing crack, it's even harder to do. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, can't remember all those lies. You can't remember all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're smoking crack. I mean, you're, you're, you're focused on smoking <laughs> crack. Um, so he, this gentleman eventually went on the run and yeah. was caught in Alaska and went to federal prison for, I think, five years. Yeah. And while he was in prison, he got a letter from the director of Crossroads. Yep. His name was Rich Merkel. Yep. And saying, hey, you know, we would like you to come to rehabilitation here. Now, he got sober in prison. Right. Uh, he, you know, because there's no crack. Well, there is, but well, yeah. probably not yeah, good yeah, yeah, crack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he didn't have any way of paying for Yeah, right. <laughs> so well, yeah, there's ways there's in always prison. That yeah, too, there's always so. ways in prison. But... Um, so he got he got handed off to Rich Merkel yep. at, at yep. Crossroads East in 1998 and said, "Here, this guy's your problem yeah. now." And uh, never left. He never left. He started out washing dishes. Yep. Then worked in the front office. Then worked as a program coordinator. Yeah. And then he became the executive director. And that that person is Lee Piaski. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if that's not a story of perseverance and success yeah. and what Crossroads can do for you, I don't know what is. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is that this is only a one-hour podcast. Yeah. And we don't have time to go into some of the stories <laughs> that every one of us carry with us and remember because there's there's thousands of them. There's a story that almost goes along with almost every client. But some of those clients are just a little more special than others. <laughs> Yeah, they are. <laughs> and 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 we and everybody has stories. I had a guy come up to me this morning and say, "Hey, did you see some some?" And he told me this whole thing about um, how when he was a site manager for me at East, that I had to write him up over something. And I I was like, I I don't remember this at all. And he goes, Oh, you know, rolled his eyes, right? And the whole thing. And and we all have those, right? We all have those those stories. So going back though, did you, when did, let me ask you this, after stealing your mom's car, <laughs> three months sober. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sober at the time. <laughs> no, of course you weren't. But, but how long did it take before your, did, did your mom go, you know what, you're not, you're not, no. Right. We're going, we're, we're going to get you back in there and, right. and, and you're going to do this full, the, full the right term. Way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom has, I have to give her the most credit for my sobriety. Um, I went when I in 2004. I left Crossroads in June of 2004, and I went 
still in her car and right. living with her <laughs> and made her life miserable for yeah. seven months. Right. And on January 22nd, 2005, uh, I was coming to, you know, I'd been out using all night and crashed in, at her house and came in late, you know, woke her up. And right. She said, come on, we're going for a ride. And, she did the drive-through. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, it opens the door, kick you out, she and keep did. on driving. She she pulled into Crossroads West, <laughs> opened the door, pushed me out, and she said, she goes, I don't care if you live or you die. I'm just not going to sit by and watch right. it anymore. Right. And drove away. Right. You know, and I got little pebbles hitting my forehead, you know, because the wheels are peeling out to get out of there as fast as she can. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, and that's really where I had that moment of clarity, that pivotal moment in my life where I went, man, my own, my mom is, I mean, it was just my mom and I growing up. Sure. I mean, there was no right. father figure in right. my household. I was, and I was the only child. So I'm like, I'm thinking, man, this is the one person that I know would never turn right. their back on me. Right. And here she just did. I'm her favorite. Yeah. I mean, I'm her only one. Um, what am I going to do? You know, what the hell am I going to do? And I thought, well, you better do something. Yeah. And it better be different than what you've been doing because right. now you've got no one. You know, if she, because by then I had burned all the aunts and uncles oh, yeah. and, and those type of people and, and friends yeah. and girlfriends and what have you. And uh, people who didn't know they were my friends. Yeah. People that, yeah. People that didn't know they were my friends. Um, but she just uh, she she when I, and she to this day she she can't even remember doing that. Right. And she says I, I I can't believe I said that to you. And right. I said well you did. Right. And I said and, and thank and, you and thank you. Yeah. yeah. And then, what I did it was really funny. You know if you've been at Crossroads you know if you've lived there uh, especially at the west side they had what was called the bunkhouse which was a, a big open room <laughs> that had several bunks kind of like a like a military yeah. dorm if yep. you will and. Um, I just walked into that dorm room and laid down on a bed and went to sleep. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody I was there. And, you know, and it wasn't long before I realized I was in somebody else's bed. And the night manager, Howard, came up to me, kicked the bed and said, you know, what the hell are you doing in here? I said, what the hell are you doing in here? He said, you need to get out of this bed, man. This isn't your bed. You know, who, the, who are you? you know, and, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, you don't know who I am. You know, it, was, it was insanity, but... But you know, and you're not the only one who's ever done that. Oh no, you know what I mean? No, I mean, no. We, yeah, I, I I don't know how many people got kicked out or went out, relapsed, right. didn't come back, and the next thing you know, hey, there's some guy in my bed. Yeah, could you yeah. come and could you come and check this out? You know, they yeah. just wandered in off the street and yeah, yeah laid down happens. and wanted to sleep somewhere safe. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and. Uh, so yeah, that's that's uh, January twenty second, two thousand five. Uh, that's my sobriety day, and the last time I used was January twenty first, two thousand five, and uh, haven't put a cocaine or alcohol in my body since. <laughs> it's been eighteen years, and uh, it's been a it's been a hell of a ride. It's much much more fun doing it sober than uh, yeah than doing it inebriated. Well, and and you know the other thing is is what a lucky time. And I came in on the tail end of this a little bit, but I've been with, I've been, I've worked for large companies. Um, I've worked for little mom and pop companies, but I don't ever think that, that spending this much time with a company, would I ever have been with somebody and seen and been part of the growth and the change in the community and, and, and the effect that it has on the community around right. us. Right. I mean, we're doing things for an organization that has gone from 
when three facilities when you came on to nine, nine. places now, right? How many beds? 300 420 something, yeah, 400, right? Eight. With detox now and everything. And and having that direct community effect um we're not just trolling through our daily right. thing. Right. We're, not we're we're doing something that has that affects change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never would have met Brandon Lee. Right. Right. And what he's doing with his program. Right. I wouldn't have, come on. Right. I mean, it it goes on and on and on Danny and on. Danny Trejo. And on. Yeah, all yeah. these things and people and everything. It's absolutely amazing that if we wouldn't have had a drug or alcohol problem, right, we would have gone through life the same as everybody else right. out there, just going through and getting up, going to work, going home, never had bills. that real appreciation. Uh, are you kidding me? Yeah, what a uh, what a blessing! And a lot of people out there don't understand that when they hear, if they hear, um, and maybe it's somebody in their family or something, we hear it going to meetings about people who say, I'm an alcoholic and I'm truly blessed to be one right. because things have happened in my life because of recovery. Sure. I mean, how many people out there lost their lives to alcoholism or drug addiction? Right. Why didn't we? You know, And I, I'm a firm believer that you're put on this planet for a reason and you have to go through some things to maybe find that reason. Yeah. And you know, the people that get sober are that was their destiny to go through that trial and tribulation to be able to carry some type of hope and, and inspiration to whether they're work at crossroads or not. Right. But that they have something to share with that with, with somebody because almost everybody has somebody they know that's been that's affected by alcohol or drugs. Yes. Whether whether it's them that are doing it or that's a family member, yep. a loved one, a friend, a coworker. Yep. Everybody knows somebody. And, you know, the more people that we can help and, you know, for lack of a better word, build soldiers right. uh, to go out and spread the message, you know, the better off we're going to be. Right. Um, because there's a reason why. I mean, had I been using drugs and alcohol in 2023, yeah. I'd be dead. Yeah. You know, fentanyl yep. is wiping people out yeah. left and right. Well, you don't know what you're getting, even you, you, even if you're not a fentanyl. You know, right. I mean, they're they're putting it in everything. They're putting it in and everything, and it's creating a a monster of a of an addiction because people are getting addicted to stuff they don't even know that they're doing that they're in that that's in their drug, right? Right. right. Yeah, I you mean, know? they have. I was watching on the news. They, there was 1,140 teens. Um, that died in 2021 from opioid overdoses. They're now putting in Narcan kits in right. all the schools Teens. and teaching in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in the junior highs yeah. or the middle schools, that's, that's in the elementary schools. That's ridiculous. It, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, I mean, I remember when I was a kid in high school, what I had to, or in elementary school, I had to worry about jumping under the table because there was a hurricane or an earthquake <laughs> or an earthquake warning. Well, and, I, and I'm a little older than you. We we were worried about the Russians nuking us. We were we right, yeah. Robin. Yeah. Robin even though they're not around. we yeah it was it was I the cold chair war time right yeah, yeah 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 jump under a desk yeah, for a nuclear oh my warhead god yeah and now the real world stuff that is not coming from another country well it is it's coming from Mexico but it's not you know a, a threat coming to us from Russia or from across the Atlantic Ocean it's right here it's right in our yeah. home we're at we're in ground zero in yeah. Arizona. 
And um, and these 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 poor kids. I mean, um, you know, the population is is going bonkers, and with that, you got the amount of crazy people yeah. out there going bonkers yeah. too. So, um, yeah, I can't. I'm I'm just I'm glad I'm blessed, um, but I'm also I consider that those of us who have some time and are in this business doing this now, um, that we had our heads on straight going into it so that we can have some ideas. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Lee talked about prevention last week in yeah. our last show. Um, and that this is going to be the only way we want to be out of business people. Yeah. We want I was to telling be out of to somebody yesterday. I was telling a pharmaceutical rep came in that, that distributes, um, I don't want to do a plug, but yeah. they, they give a, a medication yes. that keeps people from being able to get high yeah. on opioids. Starts with V. Yeah, starts yes. with V. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this medication is groundbreaking. I mean, yeah. you get the injection, and for twenty eight days, you can plug and, anybody you want. Okay. By the way. So Vivitrol. Yes. Um, from from Alchemies. Um, do, they, do, do. they don't pay us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't pay us. Um, but this amazing drug um, to put into people to be able to prevent them from from using opioids. Yep. yep. Uh, lessens mean, the cravings for alcohol. Lessens the cravings for alcohol. I mean, how how current or how um, ahead of the game is that right. right there? Right. You know, and you get that that first shot into somebody, or you get that second shot into somebody, then you're you're guaranteed almost um, a sixty day reprieve from right. al- from alcohol right. or opioids. Right. Um, you know, this stuff is going to be eventually. It'll be over the counter. It'll yeah. it'll be like yeah. Narcan is now over the counter. You can right. go buy Narcan. Right. I mean, so what are we really doing about the problem? Are we putting a band aid on it, or yep. are, we, are we actually doing something about it? Um, you know, the 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 real you know people will always say there's more money in in treating a disease than there and is curing the disease. Curing it. You yeah. know, and uh, you know that's scary. Yeah, that, that's a scary thought for right. our children that are, you know, I have three girls. My youngest is 15. She'll be 16 this month. And, you know, I had to take her to a, an opioid symposium right. to show her, you know, you can't just take a Tylenol from your friend right. anymore because you don't know what's right. in that drug. <clears throat> yep. And, um, you know, it's it's scary. Yeah, it really is. No, I was talking to a, a young man who was leaving our detox yesterday and he's sitting there with his mom. And he's talking about how, well, you know, I would just take, you know, these pills. And I said, yeah, but where'd you get those? Right. Did you get those from a pharmacy? He says, well, no, of course not. And I said, exactly. Right. So you have no idea what's in them. You don't know if it's 90% or if it's 1%, right. you know. And, um, yeah, so I'm I'm glad because I'm, I'd be dead too. Yeah. Um, I, would, yeah. I would for sure. There's... Um, there's a certain amount of, I don't, not pride, but there's a certain amount of feeling good about being part of the solution. Yeah. There absolutely. Is. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, we're, we're, we're on this side. We could sit here and point fingers all we want, and that's not going to do anybody any good. Right. But as long as there are people out there that need the help, and Crossroads is always there. So, um, Charlie is not in front of me waving his finger at me, but I'm going to go ahead and do my plug. So, uh, if you are listening to this, if you are having issues, if you have substance abuse issues, if you are thinking of harming yourself, what's the number, Charlie? 
Three digits. Come on, buddy. 988. That's the suicide prevention hotline. Please call someone if you are having those problems. If you uh, want treatment, if you're looking for a solution, if you want resources, look up Crossroads at thecrossroadsinc.org. If you go to our website, there is a whole list of all kinds of resources, housing, sober housing, and everything else that goes along with this. Um, And uh, and we want you to have access to these things. So please go on there. Um, Now, Thank you for being here, Chris. Um, yeah, thank telling you. us um, it's it's it doesn't matter who you, who you are, where you came from, um, what your story is. We all have it, and and everybody's is worse than mine. Uh, <laughs> 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 At least that's what I keep telling myself. Hey, and, re- and I learned the remember same. I saw you the first day you I, came in. I know treatment. you did. I know you did. Um, and and you know the funny thing about it is is is. I was talking about this with somebody the other day, and I told him how lucky I was to have absolutely nothing when I came in mm. to treatment. I didn't have a, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a home. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have I didn't have a, a, anything. But when I look at the struggle that people go through, I have to change my thought process a little bit and go, oh yeah, you, I don't understand because. They're making all kinds of decisions, and I've got somebody, a friend of mine, who's going through this right, right. now, who he's got to he's got to make the decision on this, right? He's talking about changing the way he does everything from this point forward, and you know, his wife is going, "Who are you? I I don't know this part, this guy, right? And uh, I don't want to live in this house anymore because it's a lot of work, right? I mean, he's going through all this, and I'm thinking to myself, what? Once more, what a blessing to not have anything. Yeah. And who'd have thunk I'd have ever said had ever yeah. said that? Yeah. You know, um, that sounds insane, but well, it sure know. makes you appreciate things. You yes. know? I mean, it it it's easy to get caught up in the. Uh, lifestyle of being in sobriety and having things right but at the end of the day you know we really don't have anything uh whether you've got a house a car you know uh, yeah i mean you really those are just material things the only thing that you really have is yourself yep uh your relationship with god uh your relationship with your family your friends yeah uh your coworkers. yeah those are the things that really matter all that other stuff can be gone in a heartbeat yeah it all became very clear. Yeah. After about, I don't know, it only took me about three years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, to, sometimes for quickly, my head to, sometimes slowly. <laughs> <laughs> for my head to finally clear up and, and go, oh, oh, yeah. wait, where am I? Yeah. Um, so I have five questions that okay. I ask everybody. Have you ever do, do you listen to our podcast? I have. I have. Listened so have to you it. heard me ask? I these have five not questions? heard these questions. Oh, no. you haven't? No. Okay. Well, I may have. I got okay. to hear okay. them first. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll find. Then I'll know. All right. So, tattoos. Oh, yeah. Any? I've got one. You have one. I have one. It's on my back. It says Riley. It's got uh, okay. two uh, shamrocks, uh-huh. uh, one on each side of Riley. Yeah. That was uh, when my dad passed away. Okay. My, uh, I have half-brothers and yep. sisters, so we all went to the tattoo shop. Okay. Um, Shit faced, yeah, and got tattoos, yeah. Because how else do you go to a tattoo yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're just that guy. Yeah, I was just was, yeah. just was drunk, you know. Okay. No, no, well, there was probably some drugs on board, <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> All right, uh, what is the proudest moment of your life? Oh, by by far, uh, 
my youngest daughter, Christina, being born. Um, old she, Ziggy. Old Ziggy. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's something she's, else. She's, she's not Ziggy anymore. Yeah, she's not. She's she's she'll be sixteen at the end of this month. Driving and driving. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's my pride and joy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> this, I. I, you're one of the few people I know who I could probably pick about five of these out of on my own, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What is the most embarrassing thing you've ever said to anyone? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. The most embarrassing thing I've ever said to someone. Um, let me think here. That's a good one. Well, and there's prob- probably uh, after robbing, uh, I used to work for a, a family practice clinic. And uh, I used to, I would steal from them. I would rob their medications. Sure. uh, Because you could get like Viagra and diabetic medications, and I would trade those to my dope dealer. God, I I might not should be saying this online. Um, (laughs) That's all right. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) <laughs> diabetic? What, oh, what yeah. you, so like, you told him it was one thing? No, 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 no. The guy, the, the, oh, the he, dope dealer was diabetic. Oh, yeah. okay. So I'd so give diabetic <laughs> supplies to him, yeah. And, uh, diabetic yeah. dope dealer. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's chapter 11 he in always, Chris's upcoming book. Yeah, he, he always had a, a, a plentiful <laughs> supply of needles. <laughs> but uh, so after uh, robbing this this provider, yes. uh <laughs> Stealing from them, just hand over fist, coming to work, completely loaded. They fired me, and I, I actually asked for, you know, my can I have my final paycheck? And they're yeah. like, you don't have a final paycheck coming. <laughs> you owe us money. Because <laughs> I was robbing equipment. Right, and I, right, I was right. taking everything from them. Oh, yeah, it was, it was horrible. The things we do. Um, if you could disappear for two weeks, where would you go? I would go to Republic, Missouri. Uh, to a, a place called Lindsay Mortuary. Uh-huh. That's where my dad is laid to rest. Okay, and hang out. Yeah, for him with two weeks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Where Lindsay Republic? Mort- Republic, Missouri. Republic, Missouri. Yeah, Springfield. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not Springfield like the Simpsons. No, but did they invent a rifle there? I don't. They probably did. Springfield rifle. Springfield rifle yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they okay. may have. Okay. Um, if you had one wish, and it can't be. To have a thousand more wishes, yeah. What would your one wish be? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, it's going to sound corny, yeah. But world peace, yeah. You know, sure. There's a lot of fighting that goes sure. on between different countries and in those countries. <clears throat> uh, that's not necessary. You know, we could survive as a as a race and a human being uh, much more profoundly. Right. If we were not at war yeah. all the time. Yep. There's constantly, and I mean, look at the war in Afghanistan. Yep. I mean, that thing's been going on since 2001. Sure. Well, and those those men and women going over there, coming back. They've been fighting over there for they've been fighting, yeah, 2,000 years. Yeah, 2,000 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I know it sounds corny, but... Uh, sure. But I, something I wanted to jump into just real quickly. Yes. We, we started to go off on it when I, when I started plugging in Alchemies and Vivitrol. I met with the, the folks from Alchemies yesterday. Yeah. And you know you had you had mentioned prevention, yeah. and we were talking about you know it, it's our hope that we one day can go out of business. Right. Sure, one day we can shut our doors because yep. there is no more drug problem. Right. There is no more alcoholism. Right. You know that's a far stretch from ever happening. Yep. But we look at you know one of the programs, one of the initiatives we're going to um, put out this year or next year. 
um, is prevention and getting into right. the schools, yep. getting into in front of these kids and learning how to relate to them because it's, you know, me going up there as a, you know, 51 year old man yeah. going, yeah, don't do drugs. Dare, yeah, yeah. you know, let me tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. To you. Drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> um, that's not going to work. You know, Yawn. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but they're going to understand, you know, so getting, you know, somebody who's maybe 14, 15 to help work with us, uh, because we have to get into the schools. We, we've yep. got to. That's the only thing that's going to save our kids' lives. Well, and can you imagine having a whole new generation that is that where the whole dynamic has shifted down to um, a 14-year-old right. who, had, oh, yeah. who had drug issues and alcohol, whatever, because of, right? All it is is taking what we see all the time in the program and dropping – six years off of right. the people that, right. we're, that we're seeing right. and bringing it down and having people who possibly did this for a couple of years, had a problem, got help, and are now doing what a 14-year-old should be doing, sure. right? Playing football, running track, riding you know, their chess, bike, chess game, whatever. Right. right. You know, uh, AV club, do they still have those? Not individual? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now and, you're dating and, yourself. And, and, well, I know. I, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. and, and, but I mean, and having those people go up and, I mean, come on. When I was, when I was 12, I certainly was looking up to 14 and 15 and yeah. 16 year old yeah. kids. Yeah. That's what that's what got me in trouble in the first yeah, place. Because of what they were doing. Right. I was following them around on their on their coattails right. and doing what they were doing. So um man, I hope I hope I I'm excited. I, I hope we can we will just we're going well, to we will. Yes, yeah, you're we're, right. We're we going will. to. Um and and I hope that uh I hope that we have come up with, with in the grand fashion of crossroads of being the forefront of this stuff yeah. and, and helping with that prevention we'll, side we can, of things. We can work with the local DEA, the oh, local yeah, precincts, yeah. Um, the local jurisdictions, yep. um, the the attorneys, I mean, the office. Um, there's so many people we can work with to get yeah. this message out to young people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, thank you, Chris. There are so many stories. Um, I do got to say this, um, that... You know, you were there when I came in, and you gave me a chance, and uh, and you've been my mentor, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you've done for me. Um, his wife makes this insane <laughs> lasagna, and and the first time I received a full tray of lasagna from Chris's wife, I thought I was in heaven, and I thought this could be worth it. This whole, the, all this, it's all this good. I'm doing is could be worth it. Um, I ate it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner one time, <laughs> and um, but you know what? That comes with this, and and um, and I, I love you and your family and and everything. Love you too, and, and everything you've uh, done for me. Um, so thank you, You're thank welcome. you, thank you, thank yeah, you, thank you, and uh, thank you everything you've done for Crossroads because yeah. it's huge. Well, and, hopefully, uh, boy, uh, do we have fun though. Yeah, we do, and you know, I'm. I'm thinking, you know, over the next 20 years, we can, you know, expand into southern southern Arizona, northern Arizona, eastern Arizona. Yeah. Uh, certainly outside of Arizona, yep. prevention, uh, detox, art studios, yoga studios. Well, we got a lot to do. Look, if the if the if we're at ground zero for the drug smuggling, why right. not be ground zero for the substance abuse treatment right. and the prevention? Absolutely, of it. and we yeah. are ground zero. Yep, no doubt about it. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. 
Thanks for listening to Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation with your host, Greg Halverson. Join us next time as we continue our candid discussions about addiction and recovery. Listen 24-7 anytime to this or any of our shows online at StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.